0: Never forced, never coursed. Open discussions about things in life that matter to you most. From tech to TV, movies and gaming and everything in between. Visit voluntaryinput.com to subscribe, contact us and find out how you can support the show. Catch new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Voluntary Input. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Doing well. It's been a good day so far. So,
0: And I've been asking people this a lot lately because it appears the world is on fire. It is hot. Well, it, it's cool down here in Ohio. I'm in southwestern Ohio. so, But it has been hot, <laughs> oppressively hot everywhere. Has it been that way for you?
1: It has. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm um, outside Boston. And the past two weeks have been crazy. Although today and yesterday, a lot cooler. I'd say high 70s, low 80s instead of high 90s. So it's it's comfortable. But um, yeah, two weeks of, of brutal heat.
0: Good deal, because that's what happened with us. Uh, it started cooling off last night. And today was almost like spring light. It was Spring-like. Yeah. It was wonderful. But We're not a weather channel. We're here to talk about something else, but before we dive into it, can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely, I'd be happy to. So, hi everyone, I'm Kevin Yannigan. I work for a data and analytics company called Qlik. We help companies, individuals, organizations make better decisions with data. Um, And on the side, I teach at universities around this topic of data literacy or data-informed decision-making. Um, It's been a passion of mine that I use in work, but I also use it at home. Given how the world is and everything's changing, it's really important to understand what the information you see is really trying to tell you. So it's been a passion for the past 10 years or so. Um, And I have four boys at home, and I I like trying to impart that wisdom on them, although I haven't successfully done that yet, but I I keep trying.
0: Yeah, that's a job in and of itself, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But what exactly is data literacy? If you could put uh, a working definition on it, what is data literacy?
1: Yep. So I'll give a definition you might see on Google or similar, but then I'll try to explain what that means because I I think that's the challenge is people don't understand the definition. So there are many definitions, but one of the common ones is the ability to read, write, challenge, and communicate with data. So instantly people say okay I don't work with data not for me or instantly well I'm not a data scientist not for me it's kind of an off putting definition what it, what it really means is don't think of data as numbers don't think of it as statistics don't think of it as visualizations think of it as anything you see in the news anything you someone tells you information is just qualitative data and Right now, we're inundated with so much information through work, through news, through media, through everything. Data literacy is the ability to really understand the context and the intent of what they're trying to say. Because many times, it's misleading. You think it's saying one thing, but it really means something else. And, And data literacy is the ability to understand the true meaning of what they're trying to say based off the question you're trying to ask.
0: In a way, that sounds like you're trying to say, in order to understand human nuance, it would help yes. if you understood data literacy first. Because you know, it feels like people have been programmed into believing everything's fake, fake news, fake news. But maybe it's just that they're trying to deliver a message that you're not getting it because you don't understand it from a data literacy perspective.
1: 100%. And I think that's the key thing you said is that we're not saying that there are people out there, everyone's trying to do fake news. So that, to me, there's a, there there obviously are, right? But but there are many other times people are delivering a message with data and it's just the, the audience doesn't understand the context, the meaning, um, because it requires them to use some skills which are not technical, but skills we probably haven't used since childhood, um, which is why it really fascinates me. It actually brings us back to things we might've learned in like second grade math class or, you know, when we learned how to ask why all the time.
0: And and to be, to be completely uh, honest and upfront here, it kind of frustrates me a bit too, because, you know, when we say data, sometimes I feel like people automatically think computers. Well, that's not always necessarily it because we all make data informed decisions on a day-to-day basis and some people don't even realize that they are. But when they hear the word data, they automatically, you know, they automatically think computers, big tech, blah, blah, blah. But do you think that that, am, am I far off base here? Or, the, or are people having a. You're,
1: you're not far, base. I, I think the term data in itself is very misleading. So just, you know, for the audience, uh,
0: everyone uses Google
1: now, or they use some, I'm sorry, Amazon or Google, or any type of shopping application. So, If you've gone on and said, I want to buy a new floor cleaner because mine's not working, we all read the comments. The comments are data. And what do we do without even thinking about it? Sometimes we read the comments and it says, well, that person tried it on a different floor, so it's not applicable to me. So we say, okay, not applicable. Sometimes you're like, well, that person's just angry. It must have been a one We're rationalizing the decision, and we're trying to put it in our perspective. Does this comment apply to me? That's data literacy. It's just—it's not just comments. It's when we see something on the news. It's when our boss says our sales are down by ten percent. Well, we need to understand why are they down? Like, and you know, are they really down ten percent? Because sometimes visualizations are misleading. Sometimes results from business—you know um, bound scorecards are misleading. So again, data is a technical term, but the point of data literacy is. It's not technical. It's for anyone that's just what they're doing every day is looking at information and deciding what it means to them.
0: And yeah, like you said, people have been doing this even long before computers were invented. Like you said, sales are down. Why are sales down? People have been investigating why sales are down even long before computers became so prolific, you know, prolific in our society they're using data points to investigate, well, why are we losing sales? That's, you know, that's data. And like I said, I think it just, it's been demonized over so many years and it's, it's kind of unfortunate. So how do we turn that around? What do you think are ways you could get people to sort of embrace, you know, I, I saw, you know, looking into your background, you were saying helping people make data-informed decisions, especially businesses. How do you turn it around? How do you get people to stop thinking data evil?
1: So um, one of the biggest things you can do is one of the things that we find most of us hard is to ask questions and challenge. And so one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about this is we grow up and as kids, we always ask why. Now it drives me crazy that my kids ask why. They're learning about the world. And we're very curious. We start applying our critical thinking. And then we start going in, in older parts of education. And, like, you know, two of my kids are in high school. If they ask the teacher why, usually, and I love the teachers, but usually they say, because I told you, they don't explain it. Like you, it you, you, or go to the principal, you're talking back to me. And then you graduate. And then you go to your, your first job. And you're sitting in your first meeting. And your boss says something. And you're like, I don't know if that's true and then you get shunned, and you're like, okay, you're on the naughty list." All you're doing is questioning and asking why, but for years we're, we're suppressed from doing that, but that's really what we need is we need to be able to say, hey, I don't really understand this. Can, can you explain why? Because I have a different perspective of that information that maybe is relevant for you and vice versa. And so in a work setting, it's really important that the management embraces it's okay for your, your – Healthy challenging. We're not saying you know negative challenging, but I I don't necessarily agree with that. Explain more. Tell me your thought process. And, And as individuals, when you see things on news, you see things on TV, you see anything like an Amazon review, challenge it. Well, is this review relevant to me? Is it the same situation? Is there a scenario where this person might have had an ulterior motive? Is it really answering the right question that I'm asking? They might be saying it's really loud, but if my question is, I don't care about it, whether it's loud, I care if it cleans, it, it's not relevant to you because you don't care about that. So it, uh, I'm rambling a little bit because it, it's about questioning and right. it, it's very simple. You know, when, when we apply it, it's just really hard because we don't practice a lot and we feel uncomfortable practicing it.
0: And I love you brought up why, because I always say why is one of the biggest, most powerful, smallest words in the, in the English language. Why? and people it's amazing people often react to it so negatively but it is so powerful but it also leads to great answers often i think why is one of the most important words in our language (laughs) especially when it comes to Uh, data
1: absolutely it's just a, a quick analogy to that and i used to hate this when i was a kid but when my kids are now doing their math homework they're like oh teacher's making me show the work why is this and I'm laughing because I have this light bulb moment. I'm like, they're making you show the work so that if you get it incorrect, they know your thought process and they can come back to you and say, you missed this. You had an incorrect assumption here. You forgot to carry the one, what it is, and show it. But in business, when people just ask why, we jump to the answer. We don't show them the thought process. So it's it's about not just when someone says why, it's not just the outcome. But it's the thought process that got you to the outcome, which is valuable because you could pick up on what they're saying, "Oh, that makes sense, or you could say, "Well, that was relevant five years ago when we sold software a different way. Now we sell software through subscriptions. it's not relevant it it gives you all those data points to question again
0: understanding the why I love it yeah yes. <laughs> I love that part now sometimes unfortunately, some data can and i I know that sometimes, like we talked about, there are malicious actors in anything, but sometimes data can um, unfortunately lead us to uh, unfortunate outcomes like biases. How do you address biases in data?
1: Yeah, and I'll give you an example of of what bias is. So the brain is the most powerful computer in the world. But it's also very flawed. It it was designed for us to survive from dinosaurs, you know, millions of years ago. And so what we're doing every time we're taking in data, information, senses, sight, sound, everything, is it's going in the brain, it's going from our short term memory, and it's looking back in our, you know, use a data term, it's looking back in our database, which is our long term memory, and it's looking for patterns of what was relevant and what was similar. And sometimes it doesn't find something, but it finds something close enough. And it's like, here's this. And then it comes back into your working memory. And you have this truth. You have this aha. This is what it is. And and you don't understand why, but it's because your brain connected something that happened before. Well, two things could happen. One is it could be connecting something that really shouldn't be connected. Or two is it could be connecting something but that was true 10 years ago. It's not true today. Things change. Things evolve. You know, that's the other big thing is we're living in a world where everything before I learn it, it's already out of date.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: all those memories are, are outdated. And that's what happens with the bias is, is you don't intentionally mean to come up with a decision that's less than rational. It's just your brain is using what they call heuristics to, to try to find these patterns. And it's not an exact science. So we need to do things like slow down our thought process. I mean, the most simple thing is it's actually a science why they say sleep on it. It's, it's not just made up you know, folklore. The, the reason they say to sleep on it is it gives your brain time to process and see is there, is this is really a missing connection. Am I working on this based off an emotional response? Um, one of the other simple things you can do is get perspectives from others because they have different experiences. They have different databases. They have different brains. And so I might have had a really bad experience. And I'll give you an example. When I was young, I was growing up. Um, the neighbor um, had red hair, the, the kid, and he was uh, terrorized everyone in the neighborhood. Would always shoot like BB guns at everyone's windows. And I didn't know it unconsciously, you know, unintentionally for years when I would see redheads, I'm like, they're troublemakers. Like I was stereotyping. Like It was, wasn't intentional. And then my third son came out with, Flaming red hair. Uh-oh. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, it <laughs> caused me to. It, it caused that jerk reaction. To me. He's not a troublemaker. What was I doing? What my brain was connecting experiences I had. So had I talked to you or someone else who had great experiences with, with or even not bad experiences, I would have gotten a different perspective, and the brain would have connected those as, oh, there's other inputs that are not saying they're troublemakers. So therefore. When you see them, don't cringe next time. Um, and that's why diversity is so important to me. It's about getting those different perspectives from everyone. And there's a lot more advanced techniques, but I always tell people just start by getting different inputs from people and just pausing your, your response and, and sleeping on it and thinking about it, asking yourself, when might this not be a true situation?
0: And I got to tell you, and uh, people who listen to the show long enough know that What you just described is pretty much the heart of voluntary input is getting different perspectives. That is, I think, one of the most important things. Um, And I feel that unfortunately, lately, a lot of the times, especially here in the United States, we're failing at that as a society. It's as though no one wants to hear what anyone else has to say anymore. Everyone is, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm on this side, you're on that side, and that's it. And then those same people can't seem to understand why things are going so bad. It's like you're not listening exactly. to each other. Every, Like you said, we all have different perspectives, and taking different data points from other people can help us, you know, overall as a society. You know, we, we can form, we can take all those different uh, perspectives and inputs, and make something better. We're, we should always be moving forward doing that.
1: Absolutely, and, and I, I think there are many reasons for this, and I don't want to put it all into one bucket and make excuses, but I, I will say one of the challenges we have as a society is there are many forms of communication, The, the one that we should be using the most is listening. I've never taken a course in listening. I've taken a course in reading, tons. I've taken tons of courses in writing, never taken a course in listening so people don't to your point they don't know how to listen most people when they're listening they're just waiting for you to pause so they can get their next point across and it drives me mad and then i'm thinking back like well look, they were never trained on it so is it really their fault potentially right but it potentially it's that they just don't have the skill it's a skill and i always with with all my kids i always look at the behaviors and i'm like and adults too is it a skills deficit or is it a behavior? If it's a skills deficit. I kind of feel bad. If they're just choosing not to use it, then it's a different, you know, it's a, it's a different outcome. I think in many cases, people just don't have the skill.
0: I have to agree. I have to agree. And, you know, there's an old saying, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> Do you sometimes find yourself scrolling through the internet looking for articles to read only to find that you can't read through them all because you have other things going on? What if someone could read them to you while you tackle other tasks? Well, Let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Simply put, the entire internet becomes listenable, all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and you can follow any topic as specific as you'd like. From sports to science to Bitcoin, it will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And guess what? They have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. And yes, this podcast, voluntary input is there too. Download and use Newsly for free now. Follow the Newsly link and use the promo code in the show notes of this episode and receive a one month free premium subscription. So again, if you ever find yourself scrolling through daily articles, stop scrolling and start listening. Follow the Newsly link and use the promo code in the show notes of this episode and receive a one-month free premium subscription. So when you look at it from a perspective of companies, um, how can companies better look at data and address things like uh, biases, inequalities, and things like that within their own organizations.
1: Yeah, one of the simple things we talk about again with simple example is when you make a decision. Try to ha- when you have to make a decision, think of two possible outcomes. A lot of times, organizations will focus on one, and then they'll drive everything toward there, and that's when the biases creep in. So, if, if the example is okay. You know, our sales are down or we have high employee attrition. People are leaving. We need to figure out why and then we need to know what to do. I don't want to just come in with a hypothesis and say people are leaving because they're getting paid more somewhere else. Because without even knowing it, all of what we're going to find are data points to try to prove that, not data points to disprove it. But if we say, okay, we think people are leaving because there potentially is an issue with compensation but maybe they're leaving because they're being asked to do too much and, and there's their information overload change load, then it forces the organization to look at multiple perspectives and get different input, and it, it avoids them from that tunnel vision that we see all the time with bias. One of the most common ones is called confirmation bias, which is that the human brain likes to find things that validates it. It doesn't like to find things that are different. And right. so it will actively search for things that validate our opinion. I see it almost every week. Someone will show me a data point point, be like, aha, I told you that that product is not doing well. I'm like, that that data doesn't tell me that. You're telling me that because that's what you want it to say. And that's where I think people miss is they think it's voodoo magic. It, it's not. The, the data doesn't lie, but our brains will have us focus on irrelevant things because of the biases. So we need to get that kind of diverse perspective, get multiple groups involved, um, do some education courses on things like challenging assumptions. um, How do we do active listening? All those types of, you know, soft skills we should learn as kids, but we don't really learn.
0: And I love that you brought up pay because I swear for the majority of my life, I've heard, I've heard that over and over again. Well, they left because they're making more money there. Is that really the reason why they left? I'm quite sure something else was going on that that led them to the point where they finally decided I'm going to leave and hey, bonus, they're paying me more there because I know a lot of people that make lateral moves as well. You know, they're not making more, but they're leaving for reasons that often the company doesn't know why. And like you said, I have to agree, they're not paying attention to all of the different data points that could have alerted them to, you know, it could be work environment. It could be, you know, it could be any number of things, but they're only paying attention to the money. And unfortunately, it feels like that a lot of companies, that's what they ultimately boil it all down to is the money, whether or not they're making money or they they think their employees feel like they're being uh, compensated fairly.
1: Absolutely. You bring up a good point There is To paraphrase what you're saying is, very rarely in life and in organizations is there one reason for something. It's usually a complex compound. Now, maybe there's a primary and a couple of secondaries that add up to it. But what we find a lot with organizations and individuals is they will pick one that makes sense, it's plausible, and drive toward that and forget about, like you said, maybe it is environmental, maybe it's a mo- motivational, maybe they don't have the right resources, they're not getting trained for it, and that's why it's so complicated today is when we were trying to live you know safe from dinosaurs it's i want shelter i want to you know not get eaten now it's complex it's never one thing it's always multiple things so it makes it harder for us to not just focus on that one but try to find you know all the root causes
0: absolutely now when it comes to data again a lot of people especially nowadays we start talking about privacy and controlling my data, protecting my data. Uh, What do you think about all that? Because sometimes I often feel that people may not really understand, you know, that what they're saying actually might not really be true. Because when people talk about all my data, when I'm online, Facebook is taking my data. Google is taking my data. And often, in my opinion, what they don't understand is a lot of what they're doing has already been happening long before these companies existed. They didn't need the internet and the computers to, to, to get your quote unquote data. To give you an example, as a kid coming up, my dad used to always say, because you know, people would always say, hey, be careful about throwing things away. My dad would say, if they wanted to find me, they would find me. If they wanted to know everything about me, they will know everything about me. Now, my dad was often referring to the government and he had a great point because if they do, they, if they want to find out things about you, they will. And later on in life, I learned that, you know, people say, protect your social security number. Your social security number is like the most important thing. Well, you got to remember, where did your social security number come from? Did you make that up? No, that was issued to you by the government. So. I say all that to say that sometimes I think what people say, protect your data, your personal data, I feel like that's kind of a little, maybe watered down, maybe not as, you know, like I said, not what people think it is. What's your opinion on that? Well,
1: I think you're right. I think it's not what they think there is. I mean, there's there's probably more than two categories, but there is the sensitive data, right? The things that define you, like, like you mentioned, maybe social security, bank account numbers, credit card numbers. But I think a lot of times when people will talk about the data, like you said, it is, you know, what sites you're visiting. It's what you're watching on Instagram, what you're watching on Facebook. And, and sometimes you want that because who wants to go on to Instagram or Facebook or whatever and find ads that are completely irrelevant, right? They So back in the days before all this, then what they might do is they might have a menu that says, Hey, we have to show you an ad, which one do you want? And now what they're trying to do is, is make it easier for you and say, well, we're not gonna ask you the menu. We saw that you've been looking at you know puppies for the past five days, so we're gonna put an ad about puppies. Now someone might say that's over at the top, and that's their decision. Someone else might say, you know what? I want that targeted advertising, but to your point, you need to know what they're saying when they're saying data and how they're using it. And I think that's where there's misconceptions that people instantly think oh my god they're taking my social security number oh they're taking my credit card no you've never entered your credit card there what you've entered is your preferences what you viewing habits so there could be downsides of that depending on what you're watching and viewing and other things but the, but the point is it's all data and you have to make again you have to question what is the outcome what do i want from this is it worth it for me and if it's not worth it then disable all your cookies And, you know, cookies, the the website cookies, so to speak, not the the one to eat. Um, But in many cases, it's a good thing. And I think it's a good, you know, story of data in general is there's so much benefits to it that you can get right now. But with the benefits, when you add in this time where there's all the misinformation and it's confusing, it kind of gets a stigma of being bad, not because there's ill intent out there, but because we all have bias and we're all human. And, and, but it's very powerful and so I can see where people are coming from it's definitely a challenge
0: I for one love targeted ads yeah. who
1: wouldn't Right? I mean
0: <laughs> I remember the days of the wild wild west internet where I would just get ads for stuff I'm like this I, I don't care I don't care I don't care you have to keep clicking close I like that it knows my interests hey the better you know the more targeted the better as far as I'm concerned
1: Exactly. Now I will, I will go a little bit farther and say that this is all based off people's viewing patterns and data. There are situations where companies will use real analytical experts to not analyze like the viewing habits, but they'll analyze like purchasing habits. And there was a story from about five or six years ago where um, a woman bought things that had nothing to do with babies at, at a retail store. And their algorithm connected the dots and started sending coupons in the mail for, you know, first stage of of pregnancy. The girl ended up being under the age of 18. The father was getting the mail. And long story short, the father found out that the, the daughter was pregnant through these ads. That's where the ethics of data comes in is, okay, it's fine if someone's going on a site and viewing things, but is it okay to potentially out people for that? And and so that's why it's not as simple as, like, we, we like the data. The people responsible for collecting it have this ethical decision to make, can we use this in this way? And just another reason why I think data gets a bad rap, because it is complicated, right? It's not just as simple as, give me your data, I'll find out what you like, and I'll pass it back. Well, I might pass back something that's completely inappropriate to pass back.
0: Yeah, and that's where I try to remind people that, you know, in the 80s, we used to say, you got to remember, computers are stupid. They're still stupid. Yeah. They, they only know what we tell them. Uh, it's similar to that story, and I remember that story. There was a woman who was pregnant, um, and, you know, she did like a lot of women do, visiting baby sites and whatnot, thinking about the future, and she ended up having a miscarriage. Unfortunately, uh, the data and the computers and the algorithms have no way of knowing that, and they would continue to send her things like, uh you know, showing her websites and advertisements for, you know, baby clothes and things like that. And of course this was emotionally devastating to her. But again, at the bottom line is the, the computers overall are stupid. They only know what we tell them. The computer had no way of knowing that well she doesn't she's not having a baby anymore. So like you said, yeah the people at the back end of the data have a responsibility. But Unfortunately, you know, there's no one just sitting around paying attention to what there's not a person watching what Kevin is doing all the time. There's not one single person assigned to you. This is the algorithm trying to figure out what you've been engaged in anyway. So I agree with it. I agree with you. Uh, You know, we got to be careful with how we handle the data. But on the flip side of that, people also have to have some understanding about how it all actually works. But anyway, to wrap it all up, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Is there a possibility that you've written books about this stuff, Kevin?
1: I have, yes. Thanks for mentioning that. I, I've written, I, as I said, I teach at a couple universities on stuff like this. But a um, recent book that was just launched called Turning Data into Wisdom, which is a framework for making better decisions. Um, It doesn't require you to be technical. It it teaches you some of these soft skills we're talking about, like mitigating bias, challenging assumptions, active listening. Um, And then I have one coming out actually the end of this year called Data Literacy in Practice as well. Both of them are available on Amazon. Just check them out.
0: And That's great. Uh, And what we'll do is we'll put links, well, at least to the book that's out now, in the show notes. And when you release the new one, come back. We can talk about that one as well and promote it all you want i definitely will other than the book is there a way that people can get a hold of you on uh you have a website social media or
1: yep uh, just go to kevinhannigan.com or feel free if anyone wants to connect on linkedin just go to linkedin type me in there's only two kevin hannigans and i'm the one that is in the data space i think the other one is in geology or something
0: you're supposed to say i'm the only one that's the most handsome <laughs> That's what I would. That yeah. <laughs> That's what I would. I have, have the said. least hair out of the oh. <laughs> I have the least hair out of everyone. Yeah. but I do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you once again for coming on. And as usual, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, just go to voluntaryinput.com, select contact. If you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, or better yet, select register as a guest because we're always looking for great guests like you, like Kevin. Kevin, again, thank you so much for coming on and talking about data and data literacy. I think this is a very important uh, subject for people to really grasp and understand, and that's why I was excited to have you on, just to let you know.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Always a great host and it's fun talking about data. So anytime.
0: Anytime. Come back later in the year and we'll talk about your new book. And we'll talk about Christmas, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Take care. We'll see you.